morning, St. Michael's. Please stand and let's worship the Lord today. We are tuning out the noise, pressing in to hear your voice. We are rising up and we're shaking off the dust. There's a stir. Yeah. 
Hallelujah! Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Hallelujah! Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Jesus said in the first commandment this, The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Waiting for you 
us pray together our call out. O God, whose blessed Son made himself known to his disciples in the breaking of bread, open the eyes of our faith that we may behold him in all his redeeming work, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our first lesson this morning is taking from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 3, verse 12, commencing. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us, as though by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets, that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please stand for the reading of the psalm. Our psalm is Psalm 4, and we'll read responsibly by the half verse. Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have relieved me in my distress. Have mercy on me. How long, O you sons of men, will you turn my glory to shame? How long will you love our worthlessness and seek falsehood? But know that the Lord has set apart for himself him who is godly. The Lord will hear my call. Be angry and do not sin. Meditate within your heart on your bed and be still. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness. And put your trust in the Lord. There are many who say, Who will show us any good? Lord, lift up the light of your countenance upon us. You have put gladness in my heart. More than the season that the grain and wine and I will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make you well. Glory be to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, 
is now and will be forever. Amen. You may be seated. This morning's second reading comes from 1 John chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us, because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself, just as he is pure. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Luke. St. Luke, chapter 24, beginning in verse 36. Now, as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. But while they still did not believe for joy and marveled, he said to them, Have you any food here? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb, and he took it and ate it in their presence. When he, and then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, Thus as it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead in the third day, the third day and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Good morning. Happy Easter season. It truly is happy. I feel like Lent was so good and rich, at least for me, but it was hard. It was hard. And the sermons kind of reflected that journey as we talked and we kept talking and talking about how we're on a journey to the cross. We're on our journey to Holy Week, to the crucifixion, the death and betrayal of Jesus. 
So every one of us should take a deep breath and be like, ah, now we're in the resurrection season, right? A season of joy, a season of hallelujah, a season of rejoicing in what God has done. And so when we talk about this, we have our Holy Week where we really lead up to it. We have Lent. We've got 40 days of Lent where we lead up to this dramatic moment. And if you were at any of our Holy Week services, you see it betrayed so beautifully in the liturgy and in the readings and in the, the blacking out of all of our symbols of Jesus. And then Easter Vigil and Easter Sunday, we're hallelujah, Christ is risen. And we're talking about how the grave is empty and we immediately turn this switch liturgically. And I think also in our own hearts, we're like, yeah, it's Easter season. Christ is risen. But I want to pause somewhere in between Good Friday and Easter. Because there's something that happens over the course of weeks following Christ's resurrection that we often miss entirely in the way that we read the Easter story. And what happens is, on Good Friday, every one of Jesus' followers, we talked about this extensively on Palm Sunday, every one of his followers run away. They go from, Jesus, we're your best friends, we're going to stick with you to the end, even if we die, we will not leave you, to he gets arrested and they leave. There's even one guy who they try and grab him by the cloak and it gets ripped off of him and he runs away naked because he's so scared of being caught with Jesus. The same Disciple who just said, I will stick with you even till death, just took off running as soon as Jesus was arrested. And then he gets crucified, and the next time we see the disciples, they're holed up in a room with the door locked, and they're scared for their lives. They're like, they're coming after us next. All that faith, all that power, everything that they did walking with Jesus for three years, out the window. Because Jesus is dead, it's over. And they are terrified. They're shaking in their boots. And then, we know the story, they become these mighty men of God, proclaiming to rulers of the religious rulers, even all the way up to Caesar, hey, this is Jesus, you guys crucified him, he was God, and then they end up, most of them die for their faith. So I want to, there's a picture, something happens in between the terrified disciples who flee Jesus on the cross, and Peter who says, I'm not even worthy to be crucified. Crucify me upside down. That boldness, that transformation, that radical shift from what I call disciples to apostles, that is what I want to focus on today. How, what happened to these scaredy cats, these men who are hanging out in a room with the doors barred, to the people who are going out in the world proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus. What happened? So we're going to talk through that today. The song that came in my head when I asked that question is, you remember Hercules, it's zero to hero, right? Every one of these people had that montage transformation from zero to hero of the faith, right? So on Easter Sunday, we read the story of the women going to the empty tomb. They're going to go anoint Jesus' dead body. They see an empty tomb, and an angel comes and says, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Christ is risen, just like he said, right? And that's where we go on Easter Sunday, and we're like, yes, he's risen. But you know what happened after that? Those girls went back to the disciples, and the first thing the disciples think is somebody stole his body, right? 
That's what they think. And they go running to the tomb. We're going to track those people down who took the body of our Lord, right? They get a little bit of courage, right? They're like, now they're offended. So they're going to use that rage and they're going to be like, we stand by him in death, even though we didn't when he was dying, right? We're going to go get him. And they get to the tomb and it's empty. Peter and John. So we first have angelic visitation. The women tell the people and they're like, they must have stolen his body. They run. We find out from John's gospel that John got there first. Uh, I don't know why he felt the need to include that. But Peter's the first one to go into the tomb. And Peter's like, where did they take my Lord? And John comes in and there's this moment that we could easily miss in the Easter story where in these tombs they have a little alcove where the body would have lay. And John sees the clothing and believes. Why did John believe? Well, tradition tells us that Mary, the mother of our Lord, was actually a seamstress. That she probably made the clothes that Jesus wore. And she probably taught Jesus to care for the cloth that he'd been given. And so what you see is these clothes neatly folded in this alcove. And maybe even there was a particular way that Mary taught Jesus to fold the clothes. And John sees it and he goes, I believe. It's this random little detail that's thrown into the story. But it shows a humanness. To Jesus. Jesus didn't return as Lord and just walk away from us. He returned as Lord and still human. Keep that thought in mind. He was still the Jesus that John knew. And so he sees the folded clothes and he thinks nobody would steal a body and then fold the clothes. In fact, I recognize the work of Jesus in this, this little moment. So John believes. So we'll give John some credit, right? He's a pretty cool guy. He believes he's starting his transformation. But you know what? The next time we see the disciples, they still don't believe. They still don't believe. They're confronted with that reality. And the next story is the road to Emmaus. And this is happening not in a single day. This is happening over the course of days. Because some of the followers of Jesus had left to go home. And they still, even though those stories are circulating about the resurrection, they've given up hope. And then a stranger comes walking with them. Somebody that they don't recognize. And he says, hey, what's going on? Why do you guys seem so sad? And they like, haven't you heard? Jesus was crucified. And they try to explain to him what happened. And this stranger goes, no, you don't get it. That's not what really happened. And he starts to unfold for them out of the scriptures the symbolism. Maybe he told the story of Jonah, who was swallowed by a big fish, went into the belly of the whale for three days, and then was spit up on land and saved the city. Maybe he's told that story and said that's what was really happening with Jesus. Is he entered the belly of the grave for three days, but now he's risen. Or maybe he went into Isaiah that talked about the suffering Messiah, but then ends with the triumph of the king. He went through the scriptures and he explained, it says the law and the prophets all the way to now. He explained to them and he gave them a theological understanding of what's really happening in the crucifixion and the resurrection. Even then, they don't recognize him, which is just fun. And But when they do recognize him is in the breaking of the bread. That moment that we participate in every Eucharistic service, right? They encounter Jesus in the breaking of the bread, that Eucharistic symbol. And then he vanishes. So these people have a miraculous instance happen. Jesus explains that they have the theological understanding of what's going on. They know what's happened. They've seen Jesus vanish, and they quickly run to go tell the disciples. And that's where our story picks up today. They were talking about these things, right? 
So let's jump into our gospel today. So, so far they've had angelic visitations to the, to the women saying Jesus is raised. They've seen the empty tomb. John has believed because of the folded clothes. And now the, pe- the disciples who were on the road to Emmaus have just shared with them all of the theological understanding of the crucifixion and the resurrection and how Jesus showed up to them in the breaking of the bread and then vanished. Miraculous encounters. Let's get started with our story today. As they were talking about these things, as the disciples were telling them about the road to Emmaus, Jesus himself stood among them and said, peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought that they saw a spirit or a ghost. After all of that, Jesus shows up and they're still disbelieving. Sounds familiar to me. It sounds like our response when God shows up in our life. You have angelic visitations, you have the empty tomb with the neatly folded linens, you have the theological understanding of what's really going on, and it still wasn't enough to convince the disciples that Jesus had risen, that this was a moment of joy and not fear. Now granted, he supposedly kind of shows up in the midst of a locked room, so there's something weird and supernatural happening, so let's give him a little bit of grace, but it says, right, Jesus says, why are you troubled and why do doubts Arise in your hearts. So we're getting an inner look. It's not just that it's a weird circumstance and they're amazed. They're still doubting the resurrection as Jesus confronts them face to face. And yet Jesus then says, see my hands and my feet. Touch me and see. Why was Jesus raised in the flesh. This is a detour in our little story here. But why was Jesus, Jesus raised in the flesh? Because to be human is to be embodied. And when Christ died and was raised again, he did not cease to be human, but instead took our humanity to the cross, took our humanity to the grave. And when he was raised, he raised our humanity with him, our enfleshed humanity. Unlike Hamlet, who's seeking to flee the mortal coil, Jesus embraced the reality of fleshly living. And he still, to this day, has a body and wears the scars that he took for us. That means that heaven is not an escape from earth. That means that what we do here matters. That the the physical acts that we participate in matter. God is better than a person who rescues his people from a sinking ship. He's, a, he's actually transforming earth into heaven. When we meet Jesus someday, he will say to us, touch and see. He'll say to us, put your hand in my hands, put your hand in my side. And all of the suffering that we've encountered, he still bears to this day. He still is in fellowship with our suffering in those moments. And it will be something that we can't imagine. But everything that we feel like there's no answer to this, why, why did this happen? The answer will be Jesus. Touch and see that moment where he welcomes us into the fellowship of his suffering and his resurrection. Right? We have a hope in a a body that did not count it shameful to bear suffering, but engaged and entered in and rose and conquered. 
The balance is unbelievably good. So Jesus shows up in the midst of these people who've suffered so much. Their Lord has died. And now they're starting to understand. They put their hands in his side and they start to get the joy of his resurrection. While they still believed, sorry, while they still disbelieved as they're touching him for joy and were marveling. This is a different type of disbelief. It's all changed in the moment of encounter. In the moment that they touched Jesus, they changed, their disbelief went from one of doubt, why are your hearts troubled, to one of, it's too good to be true, Jesus. It's too good to be true. That's what we walk in. That's the God we serve, the God who is too good to be true, and yet is truth. Right? I have a rational optimism. Which means that I have a reason to believe that all shall be well and all manner of things shall be well. Not because the world shows me that, but because the cross shows me that. That even the suffering and death that Jesus took to the cross can be transformed into our resurrection. And so he furthers the conversation. Now you're starting to get the the feeling of Easter that we feel on Easter morning. This is weeks later. You're starting to get the feel of Easter morning here where he's like, is there some food? Because you can't have Easter without some food, right? You can't have a feast without some food. And they give him a piece of broiled fish and he takes it and he eats it before him. It reminds me as a kid, you know, you ask these questions in Sunday school. Maybe Deacon LeClaire was my teacher back then. I don't remember, but I asked somebody, hey, is there food in heaven? Right? As a kid, that's an important point. Like, I don't want to be playing a harp, sitting on a cloud. I want to make sure I get some food when I get there. I want to enjoy life. And I would argue that this gives us very good reason to believe that we can eat in heaven. The Chick-fil-A deluxe sandwich might be on the menu. In fact, Chick-fil-A might be the only thing on the menu. Do you know, right? Come on. There might be some other stuff. But the point is that heaven's better than we realize. And we don't run away from the pleasures and the good things of this life. But the bad things, the hurt and the suffering, is then transformed into the scars that Jesus wears. Into the resurrection. We don't just pretend that they never happened, but we actually bear them and transform them into resurrected joy. They are all redeemed. And then he continued and he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, which I love. He said this like five times in this story. If you just read all the different accounts, he's constantly telling people, this is what I was telling you about. You remember, I told you this was going to happen. And you can kind of hear this like affectionate reproof in Jesus's voice, like, listen to what I say. I mean it. Didn't you listen? Remember, come on, you can get there. But it's like full of love, you know. And he's telling them, like, I warned you, I I tried to give you the promise, everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And he opened their minds to understand scriptures and he said to them, thus it is written that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sin should should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. And just a note on repentance, right? We heard that in our acts today. It talked about the refreshing that happens when repentance is present. It's not a doom and gloom, repent, turn back or you're going to burn. No, it's actually enter into the refreshing of your Lord and master, the one who wants to heal you and bring you into closer 
relationship. And then he says this last line, you are witnesses of these things. And the interesting thing in here is that it is only through an encounter with Jesus that the disciples could finally understand the scriptures. There are a lot of people who try and read the Bible separate from God, separate from God's revelation. But it is only through his presence an encounter with him that scriptures are the living thing. We've been seeing this in our small group when we just let God be present and speak among us. And it, it, Hannah had an awesome observation. Katie had an observation. Michael had an We have these people who they come together and we become by coming together. The body of Christ is present. And as we open up the scriptures, the Holy Spirit speaks. It's what we're doing today. Hopefully I get to be a part of that and sharing this sermon with you. God speaks through us, and that's how we will understand scriptures. And lastly, it is only through an encounter with Jesus Christ that the disciples could finally be transformed into the apostles that led the early church, transformed the world, and died for their faith. What happened to these disciples? They met the risen Christ. In fact... It was actually, it was actually explained in our New Testament or our second lesson today. In 1 John it says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. I love that sentence, right? Because it's like he says that we, what kind of love has God given us that we are now children of God? And he emphasizes it. He feels the need to say, and so we are. Remember, so we are. We are children of God. It reminds me of this story of a pastor friend of mine. He adopted a 12-year-old boy out of an awful, awful situation with a drug-addicted mother, abusive boyfriends, all these things. And he saved him out of that moment, and he adopted him into his family. This beautiful moment where he welcomes the reject child into his home, like all of us are welcomed into God's home. But a couple months in, they start noticing that there's a smell from his room. And the mom goes in there and she finds that he's been stashing food behind his bed up against the wall. And you can imagine the father's heart's breaking because the kid doesn't understand. You are my family. I'm going to take care of you. That's what we need to know. We act like that kid with God. We stash away our stuff like we've got to save up and we've got to protect ourselves. When God loves us and he's promised us, right? If God will not spare his only son, how much more will he not give us all things? All things. You're in the family of God. That's what happened to the disciples. They thought that God let them down. They thought that Jesus died and it's over. And then they found out that he rose from the dead, that it was a part of God's plan and their whole Brains and spirit, everything was transformed by the revelation of the risen Christ. And then they could walk out of there with the faith that they are God's children now. And that he's going to take care of them even as they go to their crosses. Literally, for these disciples, even as they get martyred, they know God will raise me from the dead. That's trust. That's transformation. And lastly, it says, beloved We are God's children now, and what will be has not yet appeared, 
But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. It's like a really confusing sentence. As I read it even, I'm like, okay, so we are as we shouldn't, we're going to be and we're not there, but we're going to be that. What he's saying is when we go to Jesus, when Jesus opens up and says, touch and see, and you encounter him, that that encounter will be such that you will be transformed into the fullness of what God is growing in you now. Right? I think of it like back to the future. They're running around with this picture of his family, and slowly his siblings and are disappearing. And then eventually he starts to disappear, right? His like hand disappears in that 80s. Computer graphics is just so good. But it's like everything's disappearing. You see it kind of fading out. It's like that, but reverse for us on earth. We have a picture of Jesus. And we're running around, engaging with the world, continuing in relationship. And as we encounter him, the picture gets more and more real. And even more, we become more and more real, more enfleshed, more glorified, more like Jesus. You see those people, you know those people that you encounter and you watch them live their life. And you're like, man, that's what I want to be. Look at that person laying their life down for their neighbor. That's like Jesus. And God transforms us. And then when we meet him, it's not a photograph anymore, right? It is real. So what's the, what's the invitation today? The invitation today is to encounter the risen Lord Jesus. To invite him into your everyday existence. Because you know what? He didn't go away. He ascended into heaven to seat at the right hand of the Father. And now he's the king above kings and all that. Is wonderful, but he, at the same time that he did that, he told us, and I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So take him with you when you leave this place. I'm trying to teach Rowan that. Jesus is with you. He's like, but where is he? It's like he's, he's with you. It's hard to explain, but he's going to get that over time. Right? Might be the most important thing I ever teach him. Probably is. Jesus is with you, and he'll never leave you nor forsake you. So take him with you into the world, but also a specific invitation for this service. Meet him in the breaking of the bread. Meet him in the Eucharist and allow him to transform your life. It will happen, right? He is faithful to pursue you, to bring you to the fullness of what he has for you. The work that he's begun in you, he will bring to completion. You can count on him. You can take it to the bank. But you also have an invitation, an opportunity to enter into heaven on earth now. You also have an invitation to encounter Jesus and be changed right now in this service. So I just ask you to remind yourself to maybe take a moment again and dedicate yourself to the pursuit of the risen Lord. He is with you. He is in you. And if you let him, he will transform you. Amen. Amen. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven 
and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, but the third day he rose again, according to the Scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. And I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sin, and I look for the resurrection of the dead. Amen. Let us pray for the church and for the world. Father, we pray for your holy Catholic Church. Grant that every member of the church may truly and humbly serve you. We pray for all bishops, priests, and deacons. We pray for all who govern and hold authority in the nations of the world. Give us grace to do your will in all that we undertake. Have compassion on those who suffer from any grief or trouble. Give to the departed eternal rest. We praise you for your saints who have entered into joy. All this we ask through Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. As we prepare to celebrate the mystery of Christ's love, let us acknowledge our sins and ask the Lord for pardon and strength. Most merciful God, I confess that I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. By what I have done and by what I have left undone, I have not loved you with my whole heart, and I have not loved my neighbors as myself. I am truly sorry, and I humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on me and forgive me, that I may delight in your will and walk in your ways, to the glory of your name. Amen. The Almighty and merciful Lord grant you absolution, remission of all your sins, true repentance, amendment of life, and the grace, consolation of his Holy Spirit. Amen. The peace of the Lord be always with you. And with your spirit. Treat your neighbor with the peace. to make me in? This one, 7 p.m. Okay, I'm just going to do a quick, one quick announcement and then Eric's going to take over. So, yeah. <laughs> 
So all the women, get out your calendars right now because, um, you know, we've missed our ladies' retreat for two years. So we're going to have a little mini, mini fun night. And so Friday, May 7th. Friday, May 7th. Yeah, 7 p.m. here at the church. And uh, all the details aren't totally worked out yet, but I can tell you we're going to have some worship. We're going to have some encouragement. We're going to have food. We're going to have fellowship. So it's all good. So try to be there if you can Friday, May 7th. See you there. Hot diggity dog. Thanks, Mia. All right. So I guess uh, my only announcement... No, I, I guess I have a couple of announcements. You know, I we had someone come by our house uh, for small group meeting that I hadn't seen in six months. Wow. And it was really good. So I know there's people out there watching on right. uh, on the streaming service. Um, Amen. And I just encourage you, if you can't make it to church on Sunday, we do have these home groups. Uh, That's right. Come, see us. We're there. The times that I announce... We'll be there, <laughs> and you know where you know the houses. And if you don't know the address, call one of us, and we'll get you the address. Absolutely. So come on out. It was great seeing you. You know who you are, and we're, we're, we're pray that we do it again. We're getting overflowing crowds. I understand in our home groups. Uh, <laughs> open. So yeah, what it's just what a lot of fun. What what a yeah. great time you'll have there, and you'll be not only spiritually encouraged, but. Uh, uh, you'll have an opportunity to share you, your thoughts and the, your experience uh, with others as well. Yeah. Yeah, and I just want to, yeah, I, I felt like led this morning to uh, really give a uh, howdy to all the people who uh, are in the World Wide Web watching us, the, uh, Hawaii and Oklahoma and the various places that people plug in. And we really, really want you to have a sense uh, that, that your participation uh, is in, in more ways than a, a television program, but that uh, you're here with us, you're one with us at St. Michael's. Many of the people who do that came from St. Michael's and have gone other places. Uh, speaking of uh, runaways, uh, Archdeacon uh, David Anderson and Jody are here today, <laughs> and it's always great right. to have them back. Yeah. Amen. Let's pray for the offering. As we prepare to receive the body and blood of Christ in the Eucharist, let us respond to God's word by engaging with him in musical worship and presenting to God our tithes and offerings out of that which God has given to us. Together. Through Christ, let us continually offer to God the sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. But do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God.
Well, we want to lift up those who can't be with us this morning. Uh, the Johnsons, they're in uh, Phoenix for the graduation. Aiden, uh, my dear friend Aiden, is uh, going to be a college graduate. I don't know what to do with him now. <laughs> He's a great young man. That's all you guys are. We uh, welcome all baptized believers to join us in the body and blood of Christ. Uh, it's the Lord who invites you. It's his table. And it's his will that those who want him should meet him here. So you come today. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your heart. We lift, we lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Father, all-powerful and ever-living God, we do well always and everywhere to give you thanks through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We praise you with greater joy than ever in this Easter season when Christ became our Paschal sacrifice. He's the true Lamb who took away the sins of the world. By dying, he destroyed death. And by rising, he restored our lives. And so with all the choir of angels in heaven, we proclaim your glory. We join in their unending hymn of praise. Let your Holy Spirit come upon these gifts and make them holy, so they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he's given up to death, the death he freely accepted. He took bread, he gave you things. He gave it to his disciples, and he said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Later, when supper was ended, he took the cup, Again, he gave thanks and praise. <laughs> he said, drink this, all of you. This is my blood of a new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whatever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Let us proclaim this mystery of faith. Christ, Christ has died. died. Christ, Christ is, is risen. risen. And Christ, Christ will, will come, come again. again. 
in memory of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Father, this life-giving bread, this saving cup. We thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence and to serve you. May all of us who share in the body and blood of Jesus be brought together in unity by the Holy Spirit. Remember your church throughout the world and make us grow in love together with our patriarch, Craig, and all of our clergy. Remember those who are sick or infirmed in spirit, soul, or body. <coughs> we hold up this day Connie and Susan and Carl and Serena, Naomi, Nadia, Kyle, Sonja, Maria, Sandra, Karen, Tammy, Kyla, Jason, and the Littner family, and Morgan, and Scott, and David, and Gavin, Luke, our Marines and sailors at Camp Pendleton, be with them, Lord. Draw our hearts to remember the poor and the broken, and as we receive the body and blood of Jesus, may we be transformed to become the body of Christ to the world. Have mercy on us all. Make us worthy to share eternal life with the apostles and the martyrs, all the saints. May we praise you in union with them and give you glory through your Son, Jesus Christ, by him and with him and in him in the unity of the Holy Spirit. All honor and glory is yours, Almighty God and Father, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Jesus taught us to call God our Father, and we have courage to pray. Our Father, Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. Christ, our Passover, sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast. Hallelujah. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy upon us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy upon us. O Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Grant us thy peace. The gifts of God, only for the people of God. Take them in remembrance that Christ died for you and feed on them in your heart with thanksgiving. Blessed are those who were called to the supper of the Lamb. Amen. The body of Christ, this precious cup.
office, back in my office, that uh, there's a real move of the Holy Spirit that's fallen upon our young people. I, I believe St. Michael's, but you, you see it most notably in, in our young people, and some of our leadership seem to have a new enthusiasm and excitement that's just uh, wonderful and catching. So I encourage you to catch it. But I think it's going to be a tremendous uh, summer. It's just one of those uh, times where you just need to really expect uh, God to move in your life. He's going to. He's going to. He's going to move in your life very profoundly. And uh, you just wait and see. Okay. Let us pray. Eternal God, Heavenly Father, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in the battle and be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast in the hell, Satan, and all evil spirits who wander through the world seeking ruin of our souls. As you go out from this place, remember the gospel. God was in Christ Jesus reconciling. He's reconciling the world to himself and not counting men's sins against them. He loves us. He's forgiven us. He's not mad at us, and he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And the blessings of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you. Remain with you always. Amen. Amen. But I'm not Rejoicing in the power of the risen Christ. Thanks be to God. Come show me.